Welcome to Dungeon Masters The Day After. My name is Zach, and I'll be your host. This is a podcast created by and for DMs of all types, ages, experiences, for us to talk about what has happened recently in our campaign, ways we build our worlds, ways we approach D&D, and new ways of getting our players invested. This is the pilot episode, and I was very excited to have a conversation with my friends Steve and Evan. Our main focus on this episode was mistakes that we committed both as player characters and as dungeon masters, and ways we've learned from those mistakes. I hope you enjoy it. So I'm Zach, and I am running this podcast. I also have Steve. Hello. Uh, who's the British guy. And then Evan, the not British guy. Hi, I'm not British. <laughs> it's an easy way to sell this podcast. <laughs> and I'm also not British, so... Dang it. <laughs> How long have you been playing? Oh, fifth edition, probably for about five years. I didn't start with D&D actually, I started with the Star Wars role-playing game. I was at a summer camp teaching and the camp owner and like the people who'd been there a long time were like, we're playing the Star Wars role-playing game. I was like, holy shit, Star Wars? And it's a role-playing game? This sounds amazing. I can make my own character and it sounds great. But then when I got to college, a group of my friends were playing D&D and they are playing 5e. So I was like, what do you guys need? Every time I've asked that, they needed a cleric. So I always ended up playing the cleric. I was like, I guess I'll be a heel bot. But I've been playing probably solidly for nearly two years now in America, and it's been weekly games at the very least. Yeah, so why why do you think you were drawn to D&D? Growing up, I played a lot of like Star Wars Master of Republic, Dungeon Siege, Baldur's Gate, those kind of games where it's like, to a young kid, you get the role-playing experience, but it's like you don't have to work with the paperwork, you have to work with the books. And it's obviously a D&D behind-the-shell kind of thing. It's a good way of getting a group of people together. You can play that classic role-playing game where it's like you're playing a like an offline computer role-playing game, but your party that you'd be controlling is all your friends. And you can do anything that you want to do. Exactly, that's another big thing is that's why if I was just wanted to be a player, that'd be cool because we can either play through modules, we can play through what the DM wants to play. But as a DM, I like the ability to flex the creative muscles. I mean, I enjoy writing, so it, it gives me a chance to think, okay, what would what would I enjoy as a role-playing experience? So, Evan, how long have you been playing d and I started when I moved to Madison. Two and a half, two and eight years. First played just a group of co-workers. They asked, hey, would you like to come along and play in this campaign? And I knew slim to nothing about it. I'd listened to uh, Adventure Zone a little bit before coming into that and grew up doing sort of impromptu role-playing games, sort of create your own adventure type deal, but less so with constructive rules around it, more just think up a fantasy situation or think up a, yeah, Star Wars strange situation and kind of craft uh, something creative and and interesting around that. Um, That first campaign that I played in, it was a blend between like Pathfinder and 3.5 and 5th edition. It so was home, home, homebrew to the max. Yes, and <laughs> somewhat confusing. I think our party was relatively evil and the DM didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got very uh, railroaded. There were things that happened that 
he didn't want us to do and we would just do them yeah. and then he would have to find a way to change the plans of what he was hoping to do and his ability to sort of reactively change his story based on what we were doing was not not terrible but just uh, it didn't seem to be what he was hoping to do hoping. I think that covers the 40,000 posts on Reddit that encounter from a DM saying my party's turned into a murder hobo how do I fix this <laughs> yes yeah, so I um, I got into D&D when I moved to Madison as well. I moved out here and I met a couple of people and we played in a game for a while. And then I took over DMing that same game. And then those people eventually left my campaign. I started a campaign with you, fine gentlemen. I think for me, a lot of it came from like acting. Like I was an acting kid when I sure. was a kid. So I was in like tons of theater and stuff. Um, so getting a chance to stretch those muscles in that way was really fun and something that I really enjoyed getting to play a game play a board game and then at the same time get to act and and because when you look at it's when you look at board games and you like even if they're a role-playing style board game it's like there is this is for two to four players games last 60 minutes it's like there are so many constraints whereas like you you sure you can put your own flavor on it like if you wanted to do acting and you could but D&D just removes yeah. those constraints for you. There is like this discrepancy, I think, where some people think that you should always be having fun in every campaign or in every session. Like it's always about the fun. And I, I think that that's true to some extent. Like you should generally be having fun. But I think it's also difficult when you get a group of people for all of them to be having fun all of the time. The, the, the most obvious example of that I can ever think of is during Critical Role yeah. is when you see an episode where it's a mostly story episode or a shopping episode. Travis Willingham, who plays Grog, he looks beside himself after 20 minutes of them talking. And it's like, I, can, I think a lot of people can relate to that. But at the same point, you realize that it's not just about... You have to realize it's not just about you. Like, you, your character is part of it, but like the story has to go along. Since you brought up shopping episodes, I think it would be great to talk a little bit about what happened in your campaign, uh, which yeah. was yesterday. I took from Curse of Strahd, where the party entered into a demi-plane, which was ruled by a vampire overlord, not called Strahd. The party fought their way through the demi-plane, but then once they emerged from the demi-plane, I took rules from the Feywild, where the party skipped forward 40 years in time because they felt that they were, at least I thought, they were too comfortable in the current world. So there was not enough bad guys, there was not enough turmoil, not enough choices. They've been dealing with this fallout in the last couple of sessions we've been playing. Uh, Water Janassi, who is a cleric, he's a, a Tempest cleric, and how I've made the Janassi in my world is I've made them all unique. There is only one of each Janassi, and they are relative to that plane, and they are that plane's champion. So water, water Genasi is obviously the champion of water. So I've made an elemental throne where the Genasi meet up and discuss how planes and hang, are, out. And hang out and like there's Just, like a clubhouse yeah. and only Genasi are allowed in. They have a disco ball. Yeah, um, I mean kind of. But they, um, they discovered that a few of them have gone missing into their own planes to try and fix what's going on turmoil wilds in the world and it's it very much was a joining uh, session where there wasn't a lot of going on it was a lot of one person probably had a good 30 45 minute section where they conversed with me some of the party members got involved of course but it's like this is a fact-finding mission for them to find out where they want to go because there are 
multiple story tracks with which they can go to, which then affects the other story tracks. So they have to make kind of informed decisions. And I, I want them to find things out naturally and not be force-fed and railroaded because that's... I, I tried that and it didn't work very well, so... I mean, I would disagree that every uh, character got 30 minutes uh, in this last one. I think every character in, over the last couple of sessions has just had a session. And last session was Dan's session. This is your thing. Like, you were finding information about the world after being gone for 40 years. Yeah. And the session before that was sort of my session, where I found one of the council members who was in a pocket dimension. And, and I think that that's a really good way of sort of introducing the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, like, that's one of the things that I did in my session when I first started, was I, ha I tried to have, like, a central plot line for each Right. Um, character and, and start off each session and have that session just devoted to that person. I think it's with the time skip as well. I think it's, it's like you say, you needed to reintroduce the world. It's, you need to find the person's place in the world, find their goals, find their objectives so they feel invested in the storyline. Now, of course, this may come up in other podcasts that we do, but this has been proven problematic for some characters who have lost morals, who have lost focus, and who just want to kill things. It was definitely a risk that you did. It, it's definitely something that, I mean, I haven't decided whether I've liked it or not. I don't think everybody has decided whether it's, like, a good thing. But I think you have to take risks like that. It's, like, part of the fun of the game is being able to... And it keeps the story going. Yeah. Evan, uh, when was the last time you DM'd? Because you're not an every-time DM, right? Yeah, I'm in a campaign that's somewhat interesting. It started with another guy DMing, and... Then we took a break for a while, and we kicked it back off. Sort of, uh, everyone had their own life occurring, and we had to uh, kickstart that idea or, or put a heartbeat back into that game. Uh, it took a few months for us to start playing again, and once we did, uh, the DM at the time decided, yeah, I want to get everyone involved and, and maybe open this up for other people to, to DM as well, which is kind of an interesting idea. He has his own character that he brought into the game as well as handed the reins off to me. That was quite a few months ago. We meet bi-weekly and the last time we played, I say bi-weekly, but that's pretty inaccurate. We were supposed to meet last week. So we met three weeks ago, I want to say. Yeah, you guys have like the more traditional D&D <laughs> schedule of like, eh, we'll meet at some point. We'll, we'll try and keep the bi-weekly <laughs> yeah. schedule, but yeah. something may happen where two people aren't there available yeah. and it's, you work with what you've got. So last time we played, we had a, uh, an interesting debacle. Uh, the party had wandered themselves into a sort of a manor and uh, belonged to some lord person. And You mean like a mansion? Uh, yeah. Okay. Kind of. Sort of? Yeah. Ma uh, like, is it a plantation? <laughs> like, did, are they in the antebellum south? And you're like... I, I can't actually speak to whether it's a plantation <laughs> or not. I mean, a manor, a manor doesn't have to be a mansion. A manor has, like, a ground, yeah. but it's not upholding to slavery. <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't need to I have... Know. I know, I was just... <laughs> it's almost like a keep. It, it has almost like a, an exterior wall, so it's kind of like a castle. Hmm. But they found themselves pretty deep in that castle, and they didn't really have a, a set direction. They had just been battered and bruised pretty hard, so they found a nice little hole and 
One of them is a bard, a bard that has what's that spell where you have like a tent that you can just pop up wherever you'd like. Oh yeah, it's um, it's one of the I mean, uh, it, it, magnificent. It's yeah. mo- well, they have Mordecai's yeah. magnificent mansion, which is yeah. a really high level yeah, spell. Yeah, that's a crazy high level. But spell. there is the there's the uh, Lehman, Lehman's tiny Lehman's hut. Lehman's tiny hut, which is this is that one the most broken spell in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can destroy this. Just set it up and you're done. Yeah. So. So they set it up and they rested eight hours inside of it. What was your last game like down to Zach? So my last game was... I'm having a hard time remembering. Um, Welcome to our world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember the end of it because I got you guys where you where I wanted you to go. Oh, okay. Now I remember it. Yeah, so you guys... Um, so the session before, you guys had killed dragons. And so you had gone back... Uh, Steve and Evan are both in my campaign. You guys went back to the... The like place where you had killed all three of the dragons, and you took all of the money that they had lying around, and then you uh, went back south out of the mountains, which is where you guys were, and you went south to a city uh, named Brezik, and you were immediately accosted by guards. I was because... just asking them a nice question, and apparently I was a wanted man, so... Who'd have known? Yeah. Uh... The world keeps turning. <laughs> <laughs> So what had happened was President Brownbur had made a deal with this adventuring party where they would go take care of an issue that he was seeing in the south. And then they're like, sure, when do you want this done? He's like, I mean, as soon as possible. And they were like, okay, well, that's not really a timeline, so we're going to go north and take care of this other mission. And so you guys went north and killed the dragons and then came back down and the pre- and the south the southern problem had escalated and so and the president had blamed it all on you. And so typical politician, right? I mean, yeah. Just throw us into the bus because he couldn't deal with it himself. Quite. And so uh you guys didn't get arrested, although got very close. And made it out of Brezik, and then you found a Zeppelin captain who agreed to take you back south. She owed um, us a favor. Yeah, she owed you a favor for saving the Zeppelin previously. And so you guys went south, and the end of the campaign was the Zeppelin crashing. End of the campaign? What? We're not meeting again? <laughs> uh, the, end the end of the session? Yeah, the end of oh the my gosh. <laughs> From what I've talking to you about it, you do a lot of improvisation in terms of like... <laughs> fixing things that you weren't planned for because I know we have a habit of messing you up in terms of what you want to do in a session in terms of like oh let's go do this or we'll go here and talk to this person you're like um sure you can go back there it's just yep it's very seamless let me steal this book (laughs) can I teleport to this dude's manor who probably is a okay so that was (laughs) That's that, that's like a podcast in itself. That whole <laughs> yeah, that we, whole we should <laughs> we should talk about mistakes later and mistakes you've learned while DMing, um, because I know Steve has learned about mistakes, uh, specifically the con- the first continent that you drew up. Yes, no, that's that's a really obvious one. Is that obviously when you? I mean, we'll obviously get to world building in another episode, yeah. but. My original continent was incredibly small, and it's not through the one that I don't, I don't, I don't like random encounters. It's that I don't want to have the party feel like they have to travel two weeks between initial starting cities and then come across six camps of owlbears. It just, it didn't feel feel right to me. So I made my continent original one an island, as it takes probably about six hours to cross it. 
And now the fact that the party have a totem of the elk barbarian who halves travel time, it's become child's play to move around the continent. It was my first time DMing, so learning experience for sure. I've definitely messed up before. I mean, the one of the thing that we mentioned sort of at the beginning of our recording where I made, like, sections that was specific for each person. And some people don't like that. We had Katie in our game, who was not a huge fan of the... It was, the, it was I think it was the whole religion aspect. It yeah. was the fact that she wasn't really invested in the god that her character was linked to, and all of a sudden she had this story thrust upon her. Yeah, so she had said, I want to roll up a, a cleric of mischief, so mm. a gnomish cleric of mischief, which is a pretty classic uh, D&D sort of character. And she was like, oh, I have this birthmark that is the cleric's mark, and that's what I'm going to use as my holy symbol. So you are now chosen of this particular god. And so there's going to be a whole religious order of people that like want to help you and want to work with you. And uh, and I sort of like sort of started presenting like big ideas like this and my like crystal clear moment where I was like, "Oh geez, I really messed up." was uh, she was in a temple and they called her like chosen of Ceres and she goes, "Well, I don't know about <laughs> that and i was like oh god i really messed up like i should not have given you this thing um just because she didn't like the attention on her which is totally fine and the same thing with with han who is another one of my players who is there to hang out and he's there to like he's a pretty quiet guy and he's there just just sort of like play the game and sort of whenever i tried to create any sort of elaborate backstory for him he was like yeah i don't, I don't really care about any of that i just want to hang which is completely fine. Evan, on the other hand, takes immense pleasure in creating his backstory and creating elaborate plot hooks for each of his, the characters that he's played. Uh, you say each because I murdered one. <laughs> Talk about learning from mistakes. Yeah. Oh, that's another mistake that I made, um, was giving you an item that was that powerful. I basically, at one point, I gave him an item that would allow him to teleport anywhere on the continent. And... I think that was, that was the reason why he, he, he because he was away one session, yeah. and you're like, this is how you can catch it with the path, and he's like, yeah. well... And I, I had purposefully given him, like, three uses of it, and he had used one to get to the party, and then he had two left. He used the other one to get back to one of the main cities, and then I didn't know how he was going to use that last one. I was like, it's fine, it's just an instant teleport. What could that possibly do? <laughs> Murder the character. <laughs> yeah, so the, a little bit it was of... A gl- it was a glorious death, though. Like, it, it, if, if there's a way that your character is meant to go out, considering the amount of faux pas and just, like, times you screwed the party over, like, that was the way that he was meant to go out. Just doing his own thing, thought he was doing the right thing, kind of get some money and got murdered yeah. for it. Chaotic <laughs> neutral. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Great though, um, yeah. yeah. So the situation for how we've alert, alluded to it, but we I have haven't to actually talk about it. They had killed a necromancer previously, and they found his book. Um, and obviously, it was it was encrypted. So they were slowly like decrypting it. And a man came to the party and was like, oh, I heard that you had killed this guy. So I'm going to offer you a stupid amount of gold for his book. He was, um, like, he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, like, he was in a wheelchair. He had an iron golem bodyguard. Which, meta-wise, terrifying. I was like, I'll give you, I think I said a thousand and one gold pieces for this book. Steve and Evan, who both play their characters very straight, both knew that this was signaling from the DM, like, hey, maybe you shouldn't hold on to this book. Like, maybe this book is extremely important. 
but they also play their characters extremely well. So they were the only two out of the party who were like, we should sell this book to this guy because Jesus Christ, that's a lot of money. And then he upped the ante and he was like, oh, you don't want to sell it to me? How about 2,002 golds? And then you guys were like, I feel like we persuaded him into that. Yeah, no, I think I think we yeah. can, well, I think we talked him into it. Yeah. Like we'd given a charisma check, or like, um, or I'd intimidated him. Yeah. So in that in that scenario, um, Evan was playing his paladin Dollar, and I was. Playing. Uh, can you do a bit of Dollar's voice for us, Evan? <laughs> <laughs> Dollar really wanted to go. Dollar was trying to get the book from this companions to sell it to this old man he really wanted all that gold you see dola loves gold gold um and i and i play a goliath best voice it's we got we got delighted that with the first session and we were like well we are sold on this yeah and the fact that you had a, a donkey called betsy oh so good I play a Goliath Barbarian called Thokan. The party decided. Yeah, that they weren't going to sell it. Uh, so he chose to pickpocket the book. From from our druid. Yeah, from our druid. Um, who would have thought that a paladin who is not dexterous in the slightest managed to roll like a 17 on his sleight of hand check and the druid rolled a 15? And it's yeah. like, yeah. It was a perfect set of circumstances. When it's alive. And then, uh, yeah, so he got the book and he... Blipped. Yeah. That's an accurate statement. He disappeared and went to the city and went to the guy and was like, I have this book. You want to buy the book? And the guy's reaction, because he is evil, was, how about you give me the book? And I let you leave here alive because he had also had two assassins that he was about to send after the party to get the book uh, standing next to him and his iron golem. Little did you know the world turns even if you're not <laughs> aware of it. Yeah. And the, worst, the worst thing, you cast, what was it? Did you cast Stone of Truth? Yeah, stupid. You, like, you cast Stone of Truth, and you were like, you tried to convince the assassins to kill the guy. Yeah. I wanted and, to know how much they wanted to get paid for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, how much would you? And internally, I was like, I would have asked the assassins to not kill me, and I'll give them the book, and just try to get the, just get, get, get the hell out of Dodge. But I guess if Dollar cared, I mean, you care a lot about gold. Like, no. your character com- you cared so much about gold, it's not a surprise that you did just try and make as much money and not die. Yeah, it was foolish. It was foolish, but it was also playing perfectly to your character. Yeah. I, I have a strong feeling about player character death, which is that you should only kill a character if they have really fucked up. And Evan, you made you done, a choice. Done fucked up. You done fucked up, my man. Yeah. I had plenty um, of opportunities given to yeah. me to get oh, out of yeah. that situation. Yeah, I had given I, you dozens of... Those open-ended questions of, are you sure you want to wait? Are you sure you want to go in there? Are I mean, you, you can. You're going to stay mean, until he shows up. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, you're... So he would tell... So another part of it that I loved <laughs> was that he teleported there immediately after meeting with the guy in that first city. And it was like a three days like Zeppelin ride to that city. And so I basically hung out for like three days. Chilling with my homies. Yeah, he just hung out with his paladin order and was like, I'm just going to wait. 
and then <laughs> showed up at the guy's house. I was like, you really want to do this? And you were like, yeah. I was like, all right. I mean, it's no this choice. Is, this is how it goes. Um, so. It was great. But to take our game, my, my game I run, where you died. Yep. Now, if you were there, it would have been great. But you weren't. It was You were in Boston at the time, so whatever. But you died because you killed a character's mother. Yeah. So it was an act of vengeance. Well, at that point, I had also fucked up. Uh, so <laughs> in that point, we were meeting up with a character that... Uh, an NPC that my character had been chasing for a very long time. The character was like about to teleport away, like a mini boss fight before we fought her and her husband. And I had planned this out to be like, all right, let's have the stage encounter where it's like, it's first one you get the feeling of these two cat, these two kids that these guys are created, and you get the vampire spawns that'll be attacking them at the same time. It's like, it'd be nice and balanced. And what so did you do? I cast Counterspell, which you tried to teleport away. You stopped the teleport, so I was like, oh, okay, so you want to fight all of them at once. Okay. Uh, and that was like the end of the session. I was like, fuck. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then next session, my character died. Got disintegrated. Uh, yeah, I got disintegrated. Evan, uh, we also had a interesting choice by the DM. <clears throat> RTPK in the campaign we used to be in. Together. Yeah. Uh, so another guy in the campaign that I'm in, separate to these fine gentlemen sitting at the table with me, Tom, uh, wanted to take over sort of in that window when our campaign was uh, in a lull. Is that is that Tom's proper name? Thombus. Thombus? Or Room. Or... <laughs> I'm not sure why. <laughs> that was I have no stuff. idea why that's his name. <laughs> it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. So but... Thombus uh, said, yeah, let me DM. <laughs> and he built a, a pretty fantastic scenario and fully expected the party to do one thing, uh, which was uh, leave the, the dungeon after sort of clearing the first level. But we found the door that goes down further. We opened that door and we started on down in to the next level of the dungeon. Tom sort of gave a meta warning to us, like, you might die if you go down there. We were all player, like, level one. So situationally, we were kind of still figuring out our, our boundaries. And it, <laughs> it didn't go as well as we'd hoped. We, we wandered into a room where an enemy too powerful for us uh, just sort of clocked us all down. It was like... What was it? It was it was some flying swords, man-animated armors. It yeah. was yeah. Some other things in the next room. I I had run into the next room and been like, "Hey, come fight these guys," uh, and that didn't work. It was bad. Do you think? Do you think Tom fucked up by doing that? Not to put him on the spot, being that he's not here, but right. Yeah, and that that's a hard thing to answer. I think yeah. the whole situation was. Was blown out of proportion. There, there definitely could have been railroad, like guardrails for us that would have prevented us from going further, but that didn't seem to be in in Tom's best interest. Good for him. I think it, it's speaking from a neutral perspective. Obviously, it wasn't in the game. It's like if you're in that position as a DM, there are probably two ways you can prevent the player from going and not getting any further. You have a door there that has a lock that even if you have a rogue, has a ridiculously high DC to pick it. That way, if they try and pick it, they'll break the thieves' tools. And you can't get through. I think putting enemies in there that don't intend to scare the party, like only barbarians typically go after the bigger game that they shouldn't go after, but they want to kill the bigger thing. 
other characters should have a modicum of like self-preservation that if they see like one person get shot down you try and get the hell out of dodge i mean that happened in, in when we were playing we, we played curse of the dragon um Hold of the Dragon Queen, I think it mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Where we were in a bar and some jerks were just like, they were berating the barkeep. The barkeep was like, oh, those guys, they've not paid their tab and they've just been mouthing off all night. So I was like, I was a charismatic sorcerer. I was like, I'll go speak to them and try and be nice to them. And hi, gentlemen, I, I bought you guys a drink and I gave them a drink and they were like, I think they did make fun of you. They made fun of me. Exactly what they and said. so I, I mage handed one of their drinks out of their hand into the wall. And just like did that, and then they I found out they were four, they, they were four assassins. Yeah. And at which point I got dragged out of the bar, and we never went back there again. Nope. So. So I think it's definitely a mistake when you're doing when you're doing a completely open world. It's really difficult to put up those guardrails. I feel. Mm, um, definitely. So uh, one of the mistakes I made pretty early on was that I had decided to give Vokan, Steve's character, a way of fighting in gladiator pits, uh, which I thought was really cool. It was actually, I had seen it on Critical Role, and I would really thought that that was really interesting. I really uh, enjoyed it. Yep, which is a great, it's a great session. The problem was, it, I think part of the problem was that it's really difficult to build things up the way that Matt Mercer does, just because he's a brilliant storyteller. And so I'm um, trying to build up the fight that Vokan was in and trying to make it really dramatic was really difficult for me. Um, but the other part of it was I don't think anybody was really invested yet because they were all first level. Yeah, I think it was, it, yeah, it was the fact <coughs> that you'd spend, we'd spend an hour and a half in this gladiator pit or whatever this scenario would be and no one else would be involved. Like, I mean, Critical Role is what, 110 episodes now? That they have one episode of downtime where they have like shopping which everyone else gets involved in the story and then they let Travis hit something for half the episode yeah which is entertaining for the fans the rest of the group gets into it but like when you're low level it doesn't work quite as well and we even got a point where we had another one of the characters join me in the pits as like a like a, a tag team kind of thing Duh! I, I think and I think you did you did a good job with them like you built them up well enough that I was like I moved on to the next stage of the fighting pits and like I felt a sense of progression I, it was good because it meant that I could flex my muscles as a barbarian because I mean I this is the first time you're playing as a barbarian, I was what we level two or level three at that point. But I was like, okay, cool, I've got rage to manage, I've got health to manage, and I need to get close to people. So it's like, how do I do that and be most effective and do something cool? Like, I mean I've suplexed a guy into the fire pits. I mean that's dope. Like that was amazing. And it's yeah. so whereas I guess if we had a case that if you did want to do that, I'd come an hour before the session started. Yeah. Everyone else would turn up and you'd be like, Well, you guys just saw Bo can do this. Yeah. Which would have been cool. I don't know. It feels sort of cruel almost to take away. It, so we only do a five. We do a five-hour session every other week, and so taking away an hour of that and just focusing on a single player, it's is is difficult. It's it's, it's kind of selfish. So it's yeah. like as much as I enjoy it, yeah. that's what we have to do. Another thing that you did, which I think is, I mean, I think is sort of was a mistake, and we've talked about this, is just the amount of magic items in your (coughs) game. And I don't think you planned this. No, no, I I didn't really. When you complete dungeons, you complete things, you want to get cool things. And you either, there are two things you can get. You can either have money, or you can have items. 
And I found that giving people money meant that they wanted to buy items. And if they're not given items, then like, well, why are these items crap? There were certain items given to the party which are fine. There are items that I never intended them to keep, but for an NPC to take back. So for example, our fighter has just the stupidest AC, but I can't do anything. He has a 24 AC. Yeah, but there's nothing I can do about it. It's done. I've taken from that and that now I've gotten out of the place where enemies are not beasts, that they are humans, that they know to not attack the guy who can't be hit. It, it's There is a level of intelligence that you have to give the enemy, enemy forces that they'll pick off the caster, the cleric, because it's like, they're the ones that do damage and they don't have much health. It's all well and good if the fighter has an AC of 24, but if there's no one else to help him, he'll eventually will get hit and he'll eventually take damage. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very true. It was just one of the things that I noticed yep. in your um, campaign. I'm aware joined. of it every single second. <laughs> what are some mistakes that you feel you've learned as a DM? Not anticipating player characters feeling a sort of a sense of ownership or not recognizing their, their past actions and how that affects the player themselves and then building and growing with that. The party, back when I was a player character, not the DM, came across a somewhat evil group of people that were using dwarf parts to feed horses, make these really cool bred horses. Weird world. Our party deemed that as evil, and we thought, yeah, we need to get rid of these people. So, Oh, you think? Yeah. So, I mean, you'd have thought dwarfs would be good for racehorses. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, the meat's really uh, tender. Or I will have to check. I will have to check. I'll have to check the DM's guild to see if that's canon. Dungeon and Masters the day after, brought to you by dwarf meat. <laughs> <laughs> Make your horses race just that little bit faster. Dwarf meat. <laughs> tender as the night. Yeah. Dwarf meat. <laughs> All the above. So another piece of, of what you were speaking to, the magic items being overpowered, we all have uh, rings of instant telecommunication. Okay. So telepathic communication. Sort of similar to the earrings of whisper that you guys have. Yeah, but, you but instant speak. and like everywhere. Instant goes to everyone. Is there a range? You don't have to speak. There's no range. That's super broken. Is it available via cross-plane? Like, can you? is it... Determine whether it's just on the prime material or is it like can it go to if one person's trapped in a pocket dimension or in the nine hells So fuck I, I should mention that I didn't I didn't make that uh, But I did move a player to another plane and I didn't know what to do I was glad that he didn't try to reach out and use it during that period because I didn't know how it worked because I didn't make the, the magic item Alas, my character was connected to everyone else when they told me yeah, you should murder the person that you're with so cleric was like, yep, uh, I bid you adieu, or whatever, signs a cross over him and beheads the guy. Not cleanly, there was really bad. And then just like puts leaves over his dead body. <laughs> Ended up coming back really well because when I became a DM, I was like, oh yeah, I'll use that as motivation for, you know, someone found the body and reported the murder, and now they've come looking after this guy. <laughs> What I didn't plan or account for is that other people in the in the group also murdered people of that family. I, Ryle, murdered the dad, and Boomby murdered the mom. So when the guards show up to collect Ryle and he blinks away like I had intended, <laughs> Boomby goes, 
oh yeah, I killed the mom. And it's just like, all cards dropped. And just, I had no plan for what to do in this situation. And this was not anything I thought about when creating the story that I had intended. So, yeah, here we go. Improv. Uh, they arrest you. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, rolling with that. And then also being able to... Except that players are not going to do what you want them to do. Ever. Ever. It's like herding cats. Ever. <laughs> ever. Will they ever do what you want them to do? And that, was, that was my very first <laughs> session as DM. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the game. <laughs> <laughs> you guys arrived back in a city called Heather Rot that you hadn't been back in in months. Um, and you arrived back in the city and you see this inn was burning down from the villain. Evan had not been there. I think that whenever somebody is missing, it's not like, you shouldn't be upset. I mean, you should be upset if they regularly miss, but if they are going to be gone for one session or two sessions or something, you should come up with a creative way of saying, oh, they're not here. One of the guys who was in my campaign earlier was Warlock, and I said he was going off and talking to his patron, and we did like side stuff with that, um, which was really interesting. And so Evan's character wasn't going to be there. And so I was going to have him held captive to try and invest the player characters in in his rescuing. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Because... Little, little did the DM know that all the characters really <laughs> liked Dollar. And that would protect him. I knew you guys really liked him. But I was like, hey guys, I'm going to do this cool thing. Are you cool with that? I'm just going to try. And you guys were like, absolutely not. <laughs> Well, a group of snut-nosed brats turned up to try and kidnap Dollar. I'm a barbarian that's like my buddy Dollar, who I've been drinking with, I've been whoring with, we've had, we've had fighting pits with. Of course I'm going to look after him. And so the moment they try and bag him, I'm like, nope. And like my barbarian's got sentinel, so the yeah. moment someone tries to get near him and try and run away, I'm like, mm-mm-mm. Okay, so what I, what I did... Was I had basically, um, it was a turf war between two thieves guilds in the city. And so one group just took, there there were five of them or, or six of them or something. They go up to somebody and they're just shadows. It was the brand or the brand or hammer is what they asked. Um, they were a member of the hammers. The the group, the assaulters were. And uh, Dolor had had dealings with the brand, which is the main thieves guild in my world. And so true to Dolor fashion, and Dolor does this every time. <laughs> They go up to him and they say, hammer or brand? And he just goes, well, I'm with the brand! <laughs> Doesn't skip a beat. Like, we're all kind of just thinking a little bit, trying to be cautious with him. Like, why are they asking? And I was like, I'm with the brand! It's just like, oh my. Which I felt was a very accurate representation of your character, Evan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he immediately got attacked, and one of them grabbed him and threw him in a bag of back, holding. A bag of holding, yeah. A bag of holding, which gives him only a minute uh, of breath left um, and I wasn't planning on killing him I was just planning on trying to remove him because he wasn't here but in combat it worked because each round is 6 seconds so yeah. it's this time yeah um, and so they all immediately tried to get away and the party did not they just murdered a bunch of teenagers it was like fucking hot potato with this, with this, <laughs> with this bag of holding they were just trying to keep it I gave a barbarian in a previous campaign, I, uh, I just flipped through the Dungeon Master's Guide and was like, I'll just pick a random item that this guy gives. Um, and so I picked the Belts of Dwarven Kind to this barbarian and she just broke the game. 
she was very broken by the end of that campaign. I mean, it just means that your strength goes to 20, so then you don't have to spend your points at 4, 8, and 12 on strength. You're just at 20, and that's that's cool. That's what you care about, and then you can put... It doesn't necessarily break them at that point. You just... You give the barbarian that, but then you don't give them anything else. Yeah. Like, there is a whole lot of self-analyzation and self-criticism when it comes to DMing, and it's like, you hold, you want to hold yourself such a high standard, but... Sometimes you just, you mess up. And I mean, I, me being like dumb with like sizes of continents, with spellings, with pronunciations that bite me in the ass. So what happened during your first session with pricing? I mean, that's not necessarily a mistake. I don't think it's a mistake. That's that's just me being dumb as a DM and not really preparing that properly because players go to a tavern and I'm like, like, well, we'd like to spend the night. And so I'm like, well... They have a lot of gold. It's a fairly nice establishment. I was like, yeah, it's like two gold a night. What, is this place like the Ritz? And I was like, I mean, no, uh, okay. Uh, and I didn't realize at this point, because having not read the DM's guide cover to cover, that there is pricing guides for taverns. And it's like, well, a medium tavern's like two silver a night. Yeah. Or something like, something that's way more reasonable. And I was like, so now, whenever the party goes back to this inn, they're like... Well, I hope it's not four gold a night. And it's just like, oh, fuck you guys. Like, I made one mistake. And the other mistake I made, um, I've made each city kind of have an an apothecary. Uh, me how, being, do, how do you pronounce it? Because me being an idiot. No, 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 it's no, 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 right? It's Don't, a Great Britain thing. Do not throw my country under the bus for this. God says the Queen. I want to go to an apothecary. Because because <laughs> Steve read it phonetically off the page and just was like, oh, it's a it's a apothecary. And they're like, what? And it's like, you know, it's a place you where know, like... an apothecary. Like, it's like where, where, where vials get done and potions get brewed. You mean what, like an apothecary? I'm like, yeah, like an apothecary. That's exactly what I meant. So yeah, so I, I, that's a common theme of mistake in my campaign yeah. where I... If you ever want your like villain, you have to think really carefully about your villain names or names of anything, but especially villains. Because if you, like, introduce a villain and you're just like, his name is Bonner. Oh, Mr. Boner. Mr. <laughs> Boner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mine? Yeah. I was like, ooh, something cool that starts with an S. Lord Siphius. They call him. Syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, it's the way for heroes to lessen the evil that they're facing. It's like you rip the shit out of uh, whoever you're fighting. I think it's more you got a bunch of guys around a table and they're all just going to rip the shit out of each other. I mean, also, yes. <laughs> but it's more, if you're going to try and build it, if, it, if it's trying to make it a reason for it in the game, that is one way to do it. doesn't matter what name you make up. It doesn't matter if it's a really bad villain or just a general NPC. If it sounds anything that's phallic, anything that's like a disease, it's going to be called that because it's like, huh, it sounds kind of like this. Dungeon Masters the Day After brought to you by Mr. Boner. (laughs) Mr. Boner! For all your phallic needs. Hey, this is future Zach here. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Dungeon Masters The Day After. 
Let me know what you think by sending me an email at dungeonmastersthedayafter@gmail.com at gmail.com or commenting on SoundCloud or iTunes. Thanks to Steve and Evan for coming on and sharing their experience. And a special thank you to Audiobringer for the use of their song, What Dreams Become. We will be releasing new episodes every two weeks with our next one on October 2nd, where we will be dealing with player character creation. Just like any D&D session though, we may get off topic and be led somewhere completely different. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you in two weeks. We are supposed to talk about villains this episode. I think we're more going off of just mistakes that we've learned as a DM. What a good start to the podcast. Let's talk about mistakes. We're all experts here. If this is if this is does not fall boning, I don't know what it is. Let's talk about villains. Now nah, let's talk about mistakes. Yeah, let's just talk about things we fucked up. Oops.